0: Numbers chapter 31, we'll be looking at verses 7 through 17. In chapter 25, in the very last verse of that chapter, Moses is told by God, harass the Midianites and attack them. And then in chapter 31, we have 10,000 warriors from each tribe and they're arming themselves, and they go up to war against the Midianites. And then we jump into our text, which is Numbers 31, 7 through 17. So let's read. And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the king of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Eva, Rahim, Zer, Her, Reba. The five kings of Midian, Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. And the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive and their little ones and took as spoil all their cattle, all their flocks, and all their goods. And they also burned with fire all the cities where they dwelt and all their forts. And they took all the spoil and all the booty of man and beast. Then they brought the captives, the booty and the spoil to Moses, to Eleazar the priest and to the congregation of the children of Israel to the camp of the plains of Moab by Jordan across from Jericho. And Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, while the captains over thousands and the captains over hundreds who had come from the battle. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore, kill every male among the little ones, kill every woman who is known, who has known a man intimately." This is the result of Balaam and his evil counsel to Balak. Uh, But Balaam dies by the sword in battle, for Balaam has aligned himself with the Midianites. First, the Midianites, Balak, king of them, wants Balaam to curse Israel, and Balaam is warned, of course, not to do so, and he wouldn't curse them, but we wonder, is Balaam a prophet of God, or some spell-casting diviner? We don't really know for sure, but the way the method a person dies many times tells us a lot about that person. Balaam has been killed by Israeli soldiers that are attacking the Midianites. The anger of God is aroused by the Midianites, for they have caused God's people, Israel, to sin and to sin grievously. And we will look at this morning at how causing another person to sin is extremely offensive to God. This small army of Israel and their captains have looted the Midianites. They've taken booty. They've uh, took the spoils of war. But Moses has a question for the captains. Verse 15. Why have you allowed all the women to live. The women are not guiltless. In fact, they are probably the culprits in causing Israel to sin, to trespass against the Lord. The women and the false prophet of Baal are the ones who brought the plague from God where 24,000 Israelites have died. It was the women of the Midianites, causing the young men and not necessarily all the young men of Israel to sin, but a lot of them. And the death of God's people is never a small thing to God, even if it is from the hand of God. But justice must be done. Therefore, the punishment for the Midianites is for their men, their adulterous women. To suffer death. And you know, in our thinking today, that sounds awful harsh, for we live in an age of grace. But the contamination that was brought into the camp of God, in the camp of really Israel, by the Midianite women is extremely grievous to God. And God required all of those who committed acts of harlotry, all those that sacrificed to Baal are to be put to death. And only God can pronounce that kind of strict judgment, kill the women also, and it be a righteous judgment. God's anger is, is aroused by any person or any group of person who entice or promote transgression and sin. If you cause another person to sin, be careful, you're in danger of God's judgment. So think with me for a moment and consider God's attitude towards those who promote pornography. They're an offense to God and he's angry with them. And that goes on throughout our nation. Individuals or businesses that cause others to sin is an offense to God. Balaam and the Midianites, the men and women, they experience God's wrath for their evil deeds. And you know God doesn't make any apologies for it whatsoever. God in his righteousness does not check with man concerning the judgment he brings down upon sinful man. This includes nations, nations that revere God or nations that do not revere God. God makes no apology for bringing judgment. In Luke 11, I'm going to take this over to the New Testament. You may want to turn to Luke 11. Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem. He's in the village of Bethany, uh, a village very near to Jerusalem, the village where Mary and Martha and Lazarus, his personal friends, where they live. And Jesus, while he is there in Bethany, he's invited to dine with a Pharisee. So let's look at Luke 11, 37 through 40. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward parts is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? The Pharisee marvels that Jesus did not go through the ceremonial type washing before eating. The Pharisee is the host. No doubt he has offered the provisions for Jesus to bathe. A bowl with a towel and so forth, but for whatever reason, and we will, I think we'll get into it, Jesus foregoes this, and he doesn't bathe before eating and the and the Pharisee he marvels at this, but Jesus he has a bone to pick with the Pharisees and with the lawyers and the scribes. And it's Jesus, you got to see this, it's Jesus who initiates this confrontation with the religious leaders. Now we know the Pharisees, they look for the opportunity that to appear righteous. We know their hypocrisy. But in verse 39, let's read that. Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward parts are full of greed and wickedness. Or, hello, Mr. (laughs) Self-Righteous. Jesus, he now has the complete attention of his host. Plus, the other Pharisees are there that are, no doubt, the friends of the Pharisee having the dinner. And Jesus has brought his chastisement of the Pharisees right into their home foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Verse 41, Jesus tells, but rather give alms, or offerings, of such thing as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. Think about that verse for a second. Giving offerings, giving alms, purifies the heart. Giving is a solution versus us taking on the role of a critic. Our giving allows us to be part of a helpful solution. And this also cleanses the motive of our very heart. And then we have Jesus declaring six woes upon the Pharisees and the lawyers. Woe is... It's an explanation of grief. An old word would be alas. We don't use that word. Or we might say today, watch out, be careful. But let's look at verse 42. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe men and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The Pharisees, of course, are sticklers for the law, and they would give one-tenth of all their possessions right down to their very spices. They tithe, but they pass by justice and do not demonstrate the love of God. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, you get caught up in all the little things. You're trying to look righteous. But Jesus said of their tithing, you should have done this. But you fail to live a life that is just and you do not love God and you for sure do not show the love of God. It surprises some that tithing is spoke of in the New Testament as a thing that we ought to do. And it's spoken of by Jesus himself. But loving God and living justly are also ought-to-dos. Verse 43. The Pharisees loved the best seats of the synagogue. The seats of prominence. And they loved... The special greetings that they got in the marketplace. They love to hear, well, hello, blessed of God, Mr. Successful. You know, they love to hear those things. And the Jewish society thought the Pharisees were successful because of their strict holiness. But let's read verses 44 through 54. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets." And your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed kill them, and you build their tombs. Therefore the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation." From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. And he said these things to them. The scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently, and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. Rather harsh, the way Jesus talked to the Pharisees and the scribes and lawyers. But he talks about unmarked graves that would cause a person, if you stepped on a grave that was unmarked and you found out that it was a grave, this rendered you Unclean, And you would have to go through the whole process of bathing and going through the uh, process of being uh, considered clean again. And then we have one of the lawyers who speaks up, teacher, rabbi, Jesus, you also offend us by saying this. Newsflash. Jesus is purposely trying to offend. This is one of the few places in scriptures where you see Jesus attacking a group. And he's trying to expose their hypocrisy to them. Trying to bring a change of heart in these leaders' lives. Self-righteousness and pride is one of the great deceptions A believer can be involved in it's a sin that we cannot see in ourselves we're blind to it and Jesus is trying to open the eyes of these Pharisees these lawyers and these scribes and in verse 49 God in his wisdom has sent prophet and Apostles and the Pharisees and the lawyers, they've killed many of these God-sent prophets. And Jesus said, going all the way back to Abel, the son of Adam and Eve, to Zechariah, the death of these prophets and the death of the soon-to-be apostles, God will require of this present generation that Jesus is talking to. God in his Justice requires that this generation of, that he is part of to, to be responsible for all the murders and deaths of the prophets. Wow. Why would God do this? Why would Jesus proclaim this? Because this very generation that Jesus is part of, the very true God of gods is rebuking the religious leaders and their self-righteousness. It's Jesus himself there. And this generation is refusing God himself. These religious leaders, they respond and they're vehement about their response. And they're seeking now to accuse Jesus so they might kill him And Jesus knows this. But Jesus cannot be silent about it. He cannot be silent towards this group of people that are so hypocritical in their life. And it's good for us to read about these woes that Jesus pronounces. Lest we also fall into the trap of thinking self-righteously. Some of those woes we read about, they hit a little too close to home. (laughs) I can identify a little too closely with some of them. Jesus wanted repentance from these religious leaders, but what he got was enemies, vehement enemies towards him. But you know what? These religious leaders can never say we did not know or hear the truth. They heard it. Jesus himself declared it. But the truth is not important to these leaders. Only their position of power matters. Back to Balaam. Balaam. Balaam the prophet argued with his donkey wanting to curse Israel. Balaam, he found a way to receive the wages of unrighteousness that Peter talks about through his evil counsel. And it cost Balaam his life. Let me close with one more passage. Matthew 18:6 and 7. This is recorded in Mark and Luke also. Jesus warns of offenses, and he says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offensive offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. In this passage, we get a picture of God and how God looks upon anyone that causes one of his people to sin. Jesus says it's better for that person that he be cast into the sea and drown. Better. Better to suffer death. Jesus only said something similar to this one at a time, and that was to Judas. Better that this man was never born. So there is a fate worse than death of this physical body. Jesus has just declared it's better for a prophet, for a priest, for a pastor, for a believer to die than to cause another believer to sin. Quite harsh. But we begin to understand when we read about that, why Jesus is in the face of these Pharisees and why he's in the face of these lawyers. We begin to understand God's anger that he feels towards those that cause others to sin. I don't know of any other place in Scripture where Jesus is so vehemently against the religious leaders Six woes he pronounces upon them. Okay, so what are you and I, as believers, to take away from this chastisement of the Pharisees? To me, it becomes obvious. Make sure we're not promoting or allowing or making provisions for anyone to sin. let us be known for righteousness. So often we see those that will aid someone in sinning. That is dangerous ground. Never be found there. You know? Let us be about righteousness. And let us be about the truth. Amen? Amen. Let's get you to stand we'll close in prayer father god if nothing else let us be careful you put a guard on our on our lips by your spirit lord of of anything that we might say or approve of that is not of you Lord, you give us great freedom. You give us great liberty. And let us not abuse that freedom or liberties that we have in you. For the those that we talk to or associate with may not have those same liberties. So let us be careful, Lord. We don't want to ever be found causing or even encouraging someone to sin. Let us be about righteousness. And Lord, if that means carrying a label of, of being uh, a goody two-shoes or whatever, then so be it. We want to be about you and your kingdom, Lord. We don't want to be about uh, sin in any way, shape, or form. So allow us to live a righteous life. Grant us repentance when we sin, Lord, and cause us to be about you and your kingdom. We pray for this, Lord, and we would ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.